So, uh, as I mentioned last week, uh, today uh, it's going to be a little bit of a unique Sunday in that sense that we'll be, uh, after, after the sermon, part of our service, we will appoint uh, two deacons in our church. Uh, Yeremikon and Nathaniel Nara will be appointed as uh, deacons of the church. So, therefore, I thought it's very appropriate that I take a short break from... Um, our series in Genesis and uh, and do one sermon on on the church and church leadership and what is an elder of a church what is a pastor uh, what does even the word bishop mean how does that relate and then specifically what is a deacon what does the Bible teach about the office of a deacon and uh, yeah why are we doing what we're doing today as appointing uh, deacons in the church. So it will be kind of like a topical sermon, so to say. Well, Christ, our Lord, Jesus Christ, he gave the great commission to his disciples. In Matthew 28, uh, verse 19, he commanded his, his disciples, he gave this uh, mission, which has then been called the Great uh, Commission, and uh, that is where, where it is good for us to begin as we think about what is the church and how then that relates to church leadership and then ultimately, uh, specifically, uh, church deacons. So let me read to you from Matthew 28. Uh, so the very end of the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 28 and uh, beginning at verse 16 to the end of that chapter. Let me pray as before I read. Our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that Christ is the head of the church, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And we thank you for your word that instructs us in all aspects of life and also as it relates to what the church is, how the church should function and the leadership structure of the church. So we ask now that you give us clarity, give us wisdom and understanding to see things clearly in your word and give me, uh, help me to be faithful and clear and accurate in preaching your word and may this be a blessing and encouragement as we look on this subject of church leadership, elders and deacons and what your word teaches about it. This we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, this is what Jesus said to his disciples. Matthew 28, verse 16. Um, now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So here we have this classic passage, the mission of the church. What makes the church the church? What is the church about? What, is the, what should be the vision statement, the mission statement of every 
biblical faithful church it should essentially be this this is the mission this is the uh, task we've been given by the head of the church the Lord Jesus Christ and so as you notice Christ has all authority all authority on heaven and earth has been given to him and he is the king of kings and he is the head of the church that's the first thing I want you to understand no mere man is the head of the church the Pope in, in Rome is not the head of the church. In fact, he is the Antichrist in the sense that, or an Antichrist. <laughs> now, you know, there's, there can be many Antichrists, but he claims to be uh, Christ representative on earth and he claims the office of like the, the, essentially the head of the church. That's why Protestant Christians have always said no. That's, that's what we pro- protest against. And we as a Baptist church are in that same tradition, a biblical faithful tradition of the Reformation. We, we, we deny the authority of the Pope and the bishops and the cardinals and all that. And we reject, we reject them and their false teaching, false gospel. Uh, but, so that's clear. But, but then, do we have, do we have like, a, is there a Baptist Pope? <laughs> is there like, a, you know, for example... Is MacArthur the Pope or some other well-known? No. Is he the head of the church? Or, or more closely here, am I the head of this church as I'm the pastor? No. No. No man, no mere man is the head of the church. Christ is the head of the church. And therefore his word, which is the scripture, is the authority, the final authority of every faithful church. But Christ has, he called his disciples, gave them authority to go and proclaim that message. And he delegated authority to them. And then the apostles then go preaching and then they set up leadership in churches and and taught how the church structure is to, to work and to function. So Christ has appointed under shepherds, under shepherds. So yes, I am a pa- I'm, the, I, I'm a pastor of this church. I'm a shepherd of this church, but I am not the shepherd. I'm an under shepherd. And when a shepherd goes against the will of the chief shepherd, he should no longer be a shepherd. He should be kicked out and so forth. So that's the first thing to understand as we think about the church and church leadership and church authority structure. Christ is the head of the church. That's the Uh, you could almost say like the war cry of the Reformation Uh, Christ alone is Lord Christ alone is the head of the church and therefore his word is the authority of the church no man can uh, uh, come against that so he gave this command to his disciples and he said that they should go therefore and make disciples of all the nations So go and preach the gospel, go and preach the message of the kingdom, the message of Christ, Him crucified and risen, and and He will one day come again. So they then go, and that's what we see in the book of Acts, they go from city to city. Paul is uh, then appointed as later on, he was not here, he is the, uh, the untimely born apostle, so to say, that Christ calls then afterwards. Uh, But they go to all nations... And they start preaching the gospel and people are converted. And then when a person is converted, when they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, they are baptized as a sign of that in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
And then Jesus said, it should not end there. Then you teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. All of the word of God, essentially. I mean, that's what it is. It's not just the specific words that Jesus said in the gospel. All of the word of God uh, is to be taught to the people of God. That's why we meet Sunday after Sunday. That's my purpose and, and desire. That's why God gives leaders to the church to teach the word of God, to teach them the word of God. And notice, teach them to not just understand and know, but to observe, to live in light of those truths. So, this is what Jesus said to his disciples, his apostles. What did they then do? When we look in the book of Acts, what did it specifically look like when they went from town to town? Well, they did this. They proclaimed the gospel. Then people were baptized. But then how does, the, how does this last, last aspect of teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, how does the... Does it just end there? Did the apostles just, you know, come around, have a meeting, people got converted, baptized them, and then it's like, good, you got your ticket to heaven, so to say, or something, you know, you're kind of good, and just like live the rest of your life kind of normal, whatever you were doing, you know, as long as you kind of believe this truth. No, the disciples started churches. People got converted. And in an area, they, the, the, the believers then got together and a church was formed. And, and the church was formed when the leadership of that church was appointed. Leadership in a church was appointed who were then continuing to teach that apostolic message. The apostles, they were, they, they were limited in number. And that's why the apostles taught other faithful men who would then teach other faithful men who would then teach other faithful men and here we are 2,000 years later faithful men teaching faithful men who teach churches who teach their families and and their children and wives and everything so uh, let me just give you an example of this uh, in the book of Acts Acts chapter 14 Acts chapter 14 verse 23 So this is the Apostle Paul and, and his associates and, and they're going from town to town and they're preaching the gospel and, and people, people are converted. Uh, in fact, it is very likely that here at the beginning of chapter 14, when Paul goes there in Lystra and Derby and the cities of Lyconia, that somewhere there, Timothy, young Timothy was there, and he probably was converted at some point there in their ministry. We don't know for sure. And then Timothy would later become a leader in the church, uh, uh, of course, and a disciple of Paul. But notice here, specifically in Acts chapter 14, and uh, let me read from verse 21. Acts 14, 21. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying, through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And then verse 23 is the focus here. 
and when they had appointed elders for them in every church. With prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So the apostles preach the gospel, people are converted, and then depending on the situation, like in, for example in Ephesus, Paul spent, Paul spent three years in Ephesus teaching the leadership of the church and, and, and uh, the, the men there, it was like the first seminary, first Bible school in Ephesus. Uh, so in, in some places he spent a few months and, or a year or something. We don't, we don't know exactly for sure always. But they, they went proclaimed the gospel. They taught people were converted. And then they appointed leaders in the churches. Elders in every church. With prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord whom they had believed. And then, then it's essentially, okay, here's, here's the church. We've, we've told you, we've t- taught you what the church is to be about, what the message is. And, and uh, they, they then appointed uh, faithful leaders of those churches. So that's the first we, thing we then see, that they begin churches, and churches need to have leaders. And the leaders are these called elders. Uh, elders. And... and uh, then there's different words uh, to describe the same office. Of Sometimes we say pastor, sometimes elder. Even if you use kind of older language, you might even say bishop. <laughs> you know, but it's, uh, it's the sa- same office. And I want to briefly show you here, because this is something that there is confusion. For example, if you think, if I say the word bishop, you think, oh, in a Roman Catholic system or the Lutheran system or something else. Uh, and, uh, and there's these hi- hi- hierarchy structures and, the, you know, the bishop is higher than whatever and then the local pastors, the priest, and there's all these complicated structures. But biblically, there's only two offices in the church, two leadership positions. There's the pastor and then there's the deacons. Pastors, which are also called elders or which can also be called bishops or shepherds, uh, it's all referring to the same office, or then there are deacons, pastors and deacons. And uh, one verse that helpfully summarizes this, let me just read to you from Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul writes to the Philippian church, And he says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul writes to the Philippian church, him and Timothy, they're slaves of Christ Jesus, servants, that's what it means. And he he first says, you know, to all the saints. And this is all believers. You know, this is all the believers of the church. That's what believers are, saints, by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So he basically says, to all the believers in the church in Philippi, greetings. To all the saints in, uh, in Christ who are at Philippi. But then after that, he specifies that within that collective group of saints, there is two other groups, they are saints too, and they're not in any way more, more higher in like uh, personal 
value or more like uh, put on some kind of pedestal, but they have a unique office, they have a unique uh, responsibility as representing the church. And these are what is called here in the English Standard Version Bible, overseers and deacons. Overseers and deacons. And if you have, for example, the King James Bible, you will read the word to the, to the bishop. The word bishop is the same as the overseer. So, how, how can I say that an overseer, a bishop, elder, pastor, shepherd is all the same uh, office, same leadership position? Well, because the scripture makes it clear for us to understand. Well, first of all, the sim- simple thing here is that an overseer is a bishop. Overseer is simply a different translation of the same word. And uh, so... Technically speaking, for example, biblically, you know, we happen to talk like, okay, you know, I'm the pastor, but I could biblically as well say I'm the bishop. (laughs) The reason I don't say that is because people will think, well, what? You know, because we have in our culture, even in Christian circles, the word bishop has become to mean something, you know, a little bit different. And that's why we don't use that uh, word. But biblically, you know, it's the same. Biblically speaking, it's the same. You know, I could say Bishop Kyle is coming to preach next Sunday. You know? Because he's an overseer. That's what the word means. So, overseer is the preferred English translation nowadays. And uh, the Greek word is episkopoi. And sometimes, uh, like, the word episcopalians comes from that same word. Uh, in America, there's the Christian church called episcopalians, like Anglicans. It comes from the same word. But what does this word mean? It means that one who has the responsibility of safeguarding or seeing it, seeing to it that something is done in a correct way. A guardian. So an overseer. So someone who has authority to oversee and to protect and to make sure that things are done and in a correct way. That is what an overseer is. That is what the word bishop, old word bishop, means. Well, how can I, how can I say then that uh, the, the office of an overseer is the same as the office of an elder? And, and the same as a pastor? Or are they different? Why, why don't we have separate bishops, separate, separate pastors? Well, let's turn to the book of Titus, or the letter of Titus... And Paul writes to Titus, who was one of his uh, disciples. It's like, you know, he writes to Timothy, and we look at Timothy's letter also. But here, first, let's look at Titus. Paul writes to Titus, and he says this in verse 5 of chapter 1. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife with his children uh, and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination, for an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. 
He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered, or a drunkard, or violent, or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. And then he goes on warning about empty talkers and deceivers that need to be rebuked. But in this context, what does Paul say? Paul says, Titus, you remember, why did I leave you in Crete? Why, why did Paul leave his disciple in Crete? Because the church in Crete needed Tim, uh, Titus to be there. Why did they need Titus to be there as an as a, um, apostolic associate, kind of uh, uh, teaching the apostolic biblical message and to, to help the churches? Well, he was to put what remained into order. The churches were not yet fully formed. There were believers and there were things happening, but they were not yet, there, there were no leaders appointed in these churches. And so Titus's job was to appoint elders in every town. The word elder is the word presbyteros, uh, and uh, it simply means what it means in our English word, you know, elder, you know, like an older, it refers to maturity, an older man. But in biblical context, like if you think about Timothy, for example, Paul said, don't let anyone despise your youth. How was, you know, Timothy was basically, uh, you know, he was, uh, he was unique. He was not just an elder of a local church, but he was a leader and he was fully qualified as an elder. He was a young man, but he was mature. And so therefore the word elder refers to the maturity of the church leaders. The maturity of the church leaders. And uh, every church were to have elders in them appointed. And then he gives the list of, okay, how is, what's Titus? Is he just going to go to these churches and say, okay, okay, there's men in the church. Well, who of you is the most respected in the eyes of, uh, you know, Christian society? You know, okay, you got the best job, you got the best job, you got the most money, you are the elders. Or who is the one who is the most you know, I don't know, just talks the most <laughs> or, or, you know, or has the most muscles or, or whatever, whatever you might know, who looks the best, who's like, who looks like, oh, that could be a leader. What, what's the criteria that these elders are to be appointed by? Well, that's what he gives then, the, the list and their moral characteristics uh, and then also the teaching aspect that he must know that hold fast to the word of truth and refute those who contradict. But, in relation to this aspect of how do we know that an overseer or a bishop is the same as an elder, notice how Paul uses those words interchangeably. He tells Timothy, you should appoint elders, elders, so presbyteros, and then he says in verse 7, for an overseer, overseer, episcopos, you know, is to be like that. It's the same office. It's the same uh, man. So why does the scripture not use one word? <laughs> why doesn't why don't it just always talk about the elder or always talk about the overseer or always talk about the shepherd? 
Well, simply said that these different words characterize different aspects of that one position. Overseer refers to the fact that they have the authority and responsibility to oversee the work of the church. The work of the church. They're, they're, they're called by Christ to, to guard the faithful doctrine, to teach and to make sure things are working as they should. Elder refers to the quality of that man, that they need to be spiritually mature. They, they, can, they cannot be an a infant in the faith. You know, they cannot be, okay, he was just converted, he doesn't know any scripture, but he's very good at talking, let's just appoint him as an elder. No, he needs to be mature enough, he needs to have proven himself, and he needs to be a man who is according to these characteristics, these, these uh, criteria that's given in the first chapter of Titus, and then we'll see in 1 Timothy 3, and it's the same criteria, just in different wording. Uh, and then the word pastor or shepherd, which the Bible also uses the word shepherd, that refers more than to the actual, the practice of, uh, that they are called to shepherd, to guide the flock. And the local church is often called the flock of God, the sheep of God, that they're called, just like a shepherd, you know, he has his staff, he's to, like a real shepherd with sheep. He has his flock and he's called to, you know, feed them. What did, what did Jesus say to Peter? Feed, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. He's called to feed them with the word of God to teach them. And he's called to also protect them from wolves. And he has his staff. And, and, and sometimes he's even called to rebuke and to uh, correct the, the sheep. When the sheep start going astray, he's like, no, no, come back here. You know, come back. Because he cares for them. He, uh, he's uh, appointed for that service. So, um, well, yeah, a lot could, of course, be said about all this, but I wanted to show that this is, the, this is the first aspect when we think about the church structure and church leadership. And this is what uh, Paul commanded Titus. This is what they did in the book of Acts and so forth. Notice also then what Paul doesn't say here to Titus. Uh, Paul doesn't say appoint elders and deacons. Or notice earlier when we looked in, uh, in Acts 14, you know, they appointed elders. They, they didn't say anything about appointing deacons at that point. Why is that? Well, a church can function without deacons, but a church cannot function without at least one elder, preferably more than one elder, preferably more than one. But a church cannot really be a church without uh, leadership. So you need, the, the minimum of a church is you have a group of people and you have a leader who's appointed to it and preferably multiple men who meet that quite, uh, uh, criteria of, uh, that are given to us in the word of God. But a deacon is not, in that sense, essential. But... <laughs> Why do we then believe in, you know, what's the purpose of deacons then? Where does deacons come in? Because the Bible teaches about deacons. But, um, but we'll get to that. But that's the first thing I want you to understand. That the priority is always to appoint elders in every town. And then, that's, and then as time goes on and as the need arises, that's where deacons 
come in. That's what the Bible then teaches about deacons. So, okay. Uh, yeah, and if you have any questions, obviously, of, about any of these. Uh, yeah, I didn't get too much into so because of time. Uh, yeah, well, in Ephesians 4, verse 11, and also in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, I just mentioned it briefly. There it talks about how the leader of the church, the elder, is basically called the shepherd. And that's what the word pastor means. Uh, pastor means shepherd. And in our English usage of the lang- or English language nowadays, we refer to the leadership of the church as pastors uh, in Finnish also. But it's the same office, elder, overseer, pastor. Same. So, what is a deacon? And how does that relate to the, the pastors? Let me read to you from Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6 gives us a little bit of a, kind of a, maybe an introduction or a little bit of a, uh, background into what later, I don't believe that in Acts chapter 6 we have a full uh, developed understanding or, or the official office of a deacon, but it gives us a little bit of an idea that where does this need come from, where does this uh, idea of having elders and then separately deacons. So in Acts chapter 6 verse 1 to 6, let me read to you. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. We will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And what they, and what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So this is at the very beginnings of the church. Uh, You know, the apostles are here. And uh, basically what's happening is that the apostles, they're not able to, like, there, there's too many needs now, too many things to be done. And they're like, we can't do it all. <laughs> we can't. And it says, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve uh, and to do this. Like, we, we'd be willing, that we'd gladly do it. But if we do too much of this, it means we can't do this anymore. And therefore... Uh, the, the solution to this was that specific men would be appointed for this specific task. These men are never called like officially as deacon. They're simply referred to as the seven. But 
it's, it is helpful to kind of see a little bit the, the, the background here. So as we think about what a deacon is, even from this part and then later as we look now in uh, 1 Timothy 3 and relating to Philippians chapter 1 verse 1, a deacon is someone who comes alongside the existing leadership to help and to assist the church to be able to function better. So a church is able to exist with the minimum of one elder, but also the more the church grows and the more it, 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 there's needs and stuff, it will not be able to uh, do certain things without, and, and then there's a need for more elders also, there's, more ne- elder, there's a need for more elders in this church too. God willing, at some point, we will have more than just me. But um, it can function, and it can function without deacons, but when the need arises, it becomes more important to appoint faithful men to the office of deacon. Well, Let's now turn to uh, 1 Timothy 3, which uh, is the most important passage as we think about what is a deacon and uh, what's the qualifications of a deacon. First Timothy 3 is, just in general, it's the most important chapter as we think about church leadership, whether it is the elder, pastor, uh, overseers, or the deacons and the qualifications for that. Titus already talked about some of these qualifications, uh, but let me read to you from 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. First about overseers and then about deacons in verse 8. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be a man above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not a violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with deceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into the snare of the devil." Those are essentially the same, uh, just in slightly different wording, same criteria that is given in Titus chapter 1. This is what a pastor should be. This is what an elder, pastor, bishop, overseer, whatever you want to call it. This is what that church leader needs to be like. Not perfect. Certainly no man is perfect. But you must be able to say that, yes, this characterizes uh, that church leader. And if, he, if his life is not characterized by these things, he should not be a church leader. He should step down from his position and uh, he's not qualified. And, uh, or, or if a man, if a church thinks to appoint a man and he's not like this, he, they shouldn't appoint a man like this. So that's about church leaders. 
Um, and of course, much could be said about that, but I'm running, <laughs> running out of time here. Uh, and obviously, just as a side note, that's, you know, as you notice, it's uh, obviously we believe that the office of a church leader of a, or, or a preacher, teacher in the church of God is uh, reserved only for men in the church because this is from, uh, from the way God has created man and woman. They have unique roles and responsibilities and the office of leading and, and being a leader of the church is only given to qualified men. So, what about deacons? Verse 8. Verse 8, then Paul switches gears, and now he talks about the office of deacons. Verse 8 in 1 Timothy 3. Deacons, likewise, likewise. So just like the elders, deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons, if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. And then he says, I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things so that writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, the church, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. So Paul would have told these things face to face, but he was not able to. And he says, Timothy, this is what you need to know. Just like Titus needed to know to appoint elders here uh, in Timothy's case, Paul knew that there's even, there's even uh, he needed uh, um, criteria for deacons as well. Criteria for deacons. The word deacon simply means, essentially, servant. Diakonos. Diakonos means servant. Or, or you could say, like, assistant. Someone who serves for, for uh, some, something else, serves someone else, assists someone in something. And uh, uh, the, the kind of well-known Greek lexicon, BDAG, uh, is, is, defines this word. One of the definitions for this word is that one who gets something done at the behest of a superior, an assistant. Someone who represents someone else and who is able to assist and to get things done. Servant. So that's simply what the word deacon means, and, and uh, when in our English Bible it says deacons, that's a you know transliteration of the Greek word diakonos. Um, but also, is deacon is a deacon simply anyone who serves? Is it is is it an, you know basically another way to say it? If if you serve in any capacity in the church, are you automatically a deacon? 
Are you automatically a deacon with a capital D? Are you holding the office of a deacon? No, no. And this is actually even in, in many, I think even faithful churches, sometimes they hold to a too low of an understanding of a deacon. It's almost like, you brought a cake to church three weeks in a row, you're a deacon. <laughs> you know, like, it's great to be cakes, you know, I would say, you know, but like, and every, every Christian is a deacon with a little d, so to say, a servant. That's what it means to be a Christian. We're called to serve one another and, and the elders. Oh, I'm, a, I'm a deacon also in this church. You know, in little d, you know. We're just serving. All of us are to serve one another and serve the church and whatever we can do. And it's like, oh, I'm good at bringing cakes and I can be listening to others. I'm good at stacking church. I'm good at cleaning. I'm good at whatever. Teaching Sunday school, helping... You name it, pray for others, encourage others, call others, visit others. All of that every Christian is called to do. So every Christian is a servant. Every Christian man and woman is a deacon with a little d, so to say. But that does not mean that every Christian, you know, when Paul writes to the church in Philippi and he says to the overseers and deacons, he's not there referring to everyone. There's a distinct group of qualified men who have that official, formal recognition of serving as elders or then deacons. So, and that's why also, you know, notice what Paul said about deacons. Let them be tested first and then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves uh, blameless. The, the office of a deacon is not something that, you know, you just... Like I said, you know, kind of half-jokingly, but still, you know, you, you brought cakes enough and now you're a deacon. Or, 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 or whatever else criteria it might be. But it is a, it is a serious thing. It is an office. It is a formal recognition in the church. And a deacon carries a certain amount of responsibility and authority in the leadership of the church. So therefore, it is... Um, a deacon, as, as taught here in First Timothy and then referred to in Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, also, it is more than just a general helper. It's more than just someone doing a little bit helping here and there. It is someone who's been specifically set apart, tested during a period of time and found faithful, and he must... Likewise, all, all the characteristics, all the qualifications of a deacon are the same for an elder without the exception of teaching, authority, teaching, gifting. There to be, you know, and because those qualifications are moral qualifications, there to be exemplary men of God. And that's why it says in verse 8, deacons likewise, likewise, just like the Overseers, just like the pastor, elders, the deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy, and uh, they must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. They are not called to teach. They are not called to, uh, to, to preach and, and to exercise uh, that form of um, you know, authority and, and leadership in the church, but they are still exercising uh, uh, the serving the church and assisting the existing elders of the church. And uh, 
there's there's a good helpful book on this subject. If you, I mean, in case someone might be interested, uh, it's just Alexander Strauch. He's written like both on eldership, both on a pastor, classic work, and then he's written on uh, deacons. Paul vi- Paul's vision for deacons. Alexander Strauch. He's a great uh, preacher and great. Uh, he's written a lot of good books. Uh, and like this book is titled "Assisting the Elders with the Care of God's Church." Assisting the elders with the care of God's church. And simply said, the short definition for a, the biblical definition for a deacon is that they are called to be their formal assistants to the elders, to the pastor. Formal assistants to the elders. Not simply some general servants who do a little bit here there. They, they are specifically set apart to help and the ministry of the church, and assist the elders with the care of God's church, as uh, Alexander Strauch summarizes. Then, what that actually looks like will be somewhat different in every uh, every church. What are what are the needs? How can you know? Basically, the idea is okay. The church functions like this, there's certain needs, there's certain situations, as the church grows, there's more people, as there's different ministries in the church and stuff, more things need to be done, and then the whether it's one elder or multiple elders, at some point they're like, we can't be every, we can't do everything, and therefore deacons are appointed to assist the, the eldership in that. And they're formally recognized, they're formally set apart, they're formally tested, and then they're formally set apart. And the church would know, okay, those are our elders, those are our pastors who, who lead and teach us, and these are our deacons. And uh, there are certain things uh, then that the, then the deacons can be very, very good in helping and, and assisting the church and the leadership. So it is... The second, uh, and these are the two offices of the, of the church, the formal offices. The Bible doesn't teach that there's any, any more official offices of leadership. There's different ways to serve. Every Christian is called to serve. And it's not like, oh, I'm not formally recognized as something, therefore I'm not nothing in the church. No, every Christian is called to serve. And it is for the health, health of the church that there are Formerly, men appointed for eldership and then deaconship. And one thing that also uh, reminds us that uh, the office of a deacon is not something just like, you know, kind of anyone, uh, is that first of all, it was need to be tested, but then also in verse 13, in 1 Timothy 3, it says, For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is Christ Jesus, that is in Christ Jesus. A person does not, to, to want to be a deacon in order to be seen by others is wrong, wrong, uh, wrong uh, um, motivation. And a, and a desire to be a leader or an elder or a pastor of a church just so that you can speak and just so you can like rule or something, you know, I'm going to be the boss. That's wrong. That's wrong. It needs to be an attitude of serving, to serve. Servant leaders. 
But also at the same time, the Bible recognizes that those who rule well as elders are worthy of honor. They're worthy of honor and thanks and faith. Thank you, God, for giving us faith. I have many men who I have been under other leaders in this church, under Tom and at Grace Church, and even in uh, when we lived in Wales. I've been a church member under faithful elders, and I praise God for those elders that have poured into me. I've also served as a deacon at Grace Church uh, myself. And now here I serve as an elder. And uh, so we should be thankful for that. We should be thankful for those. And also with the deacons, it's the same. Uh, uh, a deacon, they, those who serve well as deacons, faithful deacons, they gain a good standing. They should be respected. They should be honored uh, by the local church. And, you know, thank you for serving as a deacon. Thank you for helping uh, the, the elders in their work. Thank you for helping the church. And, and there's a general recognition of that. We should, of course, all be thankful for one another and recognize whether it's in little things. Thank you for helping with this. Thank you for whatever it is uh, and help one another. But, but these two offices are given to us in Scripture to help, help the church and help the church to function. Let me read to you a quote from, from this book, Alexander Strauss, because I think he helpfully uh, summarizes this. He talks about the, the relationship between the pastor or the overseer, pastors, uh, and the deacons. And he says, the relationship between the overseers and the assistants, so between the pastors and the deacons, the relationship between the overseers and the assistants should not be mistakenly viewed as one of master and servant. The overseers are not the deacons' masters. And the deacons are not the domestic servants of the elders, serving their every personal whim, want, or need. So that's the first thing. It, 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 you know, this is, this is not that, you know, in this context that, you know, when, when it says that the deacons are the assistants of churches, somehow that there's like some kind of tyranny and like, I just like... <laughs> Put the deacons, you do this, you bring me this, you know, like some kind of foolishness, you know, master-servant thing. Or like, you know, some kind of personal slave. No, 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 no. And then he says this, the deacons represent the overseers and the elders and act on their behalf in the service of God's church. It follows then that they, like the elders, need to be properly qualified, examined, and approved by the church. And as assistants of the elders, and as assistants of the elders and church office holders, the deacons will exercise a measure of formal authority in the congregation, but always under the authority of the elders. And I think he helpfully there, he, because as I said, in many churches also, the office of deacon has been made into pretty much nothing. <laughs> it's just anyone who serves a little bit. But, the, you know, when Paul talks about deacons, he gives specific criteria. And it's, it's only for those who uh, qualify, those who are tested. And therefore, there is a measure of formal authority 
in the congregation that the deacons have, and they represent, they represent the church formally, and they represent the eldership of the church, and they serve and assist the elders in the work of the church. So, this was a summary of, of uh, what the Bible uh, teaches, and uh, certainly I didn't have much time to get into the, the specifically about elders, but I've, you know, I have preached on it before, uh, and uh, even even limited about deacons, but hopefully it helps you understand a little bit. And that's why even in Finnish also the, the word deacon is translated in Finnish Bible, seurakunta palvelija, which is essentially church servant, someone who formally uh, represents the church. So let me uh, give this summary that every Christian is a deacon in that they are a servant. Every Christian is a deacon. So don't understand me wrong. Don't understand me that, oh, we got the elders, we got the deacons, the deacons do all the serving, and the elder does the preaching, and the rest of us just show up and kind of enjoy the ride. No, every Christian is called to serve and use your gifts. And in that sense, we're all deacons. But there, it helps. It is a blessing to the local church. It is a blessing to the leaders of the local church. And therefore, it is a blessing to the local church to have men who are officially, formally tested and appointed into the office of deacons. And therefore, that's why Paul could say when he wrote to the Philippians, he says, to the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, and then specifically with the overseers and deacons. And I believe the reason he even mentions the overseers and deacons there is that later on we'll see in Philippians that they had, there were some issues. There were some issues with these two ladies who were fighting in the church. And I think the reason Paul specifically mentions the pastor, elders, and the deacons is that, remember, <laughs> you're kind of in charge there, or you should be, so help, <laughs> help the situation in the church. Help them. So, uh, let me pray. Our Father, we thank you for this time we've had to look into your word. We thank you that Christ gave his disciples and us as Christians in general the great commission to preach the gospel and then to the local churches and to people to be baptized and to be instructed in all that you have commanded us to do and to know. We thank you that you have shown us how the local church is to function and there's to be leadership appointed elders who who faithfully uh, rule and, and lead the church according to your word and that they what what kind of men they need to be the characteristics of those men qualifications of those men and we also thank you for the teaching of, of deacons and the blessing that deacons can be in the church in helping the elders and helping the church helping the church to function even better and be more faithful. So Lord, we thank you for this and may you bless us as, as we continue the service, as we appoint deacons of our own in this church. We thank you for your faithfulness to us. May you be glorified in all that we do. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.